0: Welcome to The Leadership Journey. My name is Holly Ferguson.
1: And I'm John Barclay.
0: On this episode, we're going to have a chat about how leaders shape culture. John, as a leader yourself and someone who works in the business of culture change, how important are leaders in the overall scheme of culture?
1: Fundamentally critical. Leaders are the ones that shape what's important around here. Yeah, they cast a very big shadow is the way I try to get leaders to understand that. And what we focus on as a leader, what we say, what we do, starts to let people know what's important and what's not.
0: And when was your first realisation about how much impact leaders do have on culture?
1: Oh, originally goes way back to the fatality that I... I attended and the understanding of the back end of that to see that the leaders in the workplace were aware of and understood what the way the work was being done and weren't seeing the value or the importance of certain bits that weren't right and not taking action on it and just allowed that to become normal. And it had been normal for 20 years, you know, before that significant event happened um, where, where the person lost their life. Probably didn't realise it at the time, but that was that was the first moment I realised how powerful leadership is into creating a scenario where things are acceptable.
0: I don't think um, I'd really comprehended that leaders could have such a significant impact on people physically and mentally until recently. And hearing you talk about the health and safety aspects, particularly, has brought that home to me. So. In the context of that situation, it was a health and safety issue.
1: Yep, that's where I started my journey around leadership and culture was very much in the occupational health and safety space. And there's a direct correlation between how people perceive the value of safety in a workplace to the leader's connection to safety in the workplace. And as you start to unpack that in other areas of the business around the quality of the work, the efficiency of the work, the urgency of solving problems, the ability to innovate and create new ideas and work on aspirational things, all comes from what the leader's creating. If the leader's not creating an environment where things need to be solved quickly and we need to work on things quickly and move things through in an urgent way, then the team tends to see that and feel that. They might be quite, as an individual, quite a action orientated person but in this workplace that's not valued that's not important so it's sort of okay to go go along at a much steadier pace it is really interesting when you actually sit and look at what's happening with the teams and how that's mirrored in some form or another by the leader themselves
0: i like that um analogy if that's the way to call it how it's mirrored and when you're working with a client and Maybe you recognise that the leaders are struggling to see how they're shaping the environment around them. What's something you do with them to help them have that realisation?
1: It's a couple of things. One is having them reflect on what is most important to them and how that's showing up in their leadership. So we might say safety is important, but it's not showing up at all in what they're talking about and how they're talking about things I get them to reflect firstly on what's important for them and how that's showing up the second one is what am I seeing in the team and what is it I'm doing that's setting the scene for that what is it I'm saying or doing or not saying or not doing that's allowing that to occur and then the third part is what's missing in all of this what aren't I aware of and I think we try to help leaders most of the time understand where their blind spots are and start to identify what's missing.
0: And last question before we jump into our guest. When leadership is working really well within a culture, what does that look like?
1: It's very deliberate. Leaders are very clear, consistent, authentic, genuine something you can see occurring and it's very deliberate in what they're doing they know exactly what they're saying and doing is having a influence on what other people are thinking and doing themselves
0: so it's a higher level of consciousness
1: very much so yeah it's a very conscious aware of what i'm doing why i'm doing it and what is it shaping
0: Our guest this episode is Rob Shears, who is the owner and director of Share Health and Safety. Rob has over 40 years of experience as a senior leader in safety advancement, with 20 of those years in consulting roles spanning across 11
2: countries. Hi, Rob. It's uh, great to be on the call.
1: Thanks for joining us, Rob. It's really good to get the opportunity to have a talk to you about culture. You and I have been working together a long time, so I really enjoy every time we get a chance to talk about this subject. From my point of view, culture is quite a subjective thing. There's lots of different definitions out there. So I think to start the conversation, how do you look at culture and how do you define it?
2: Yeah, look, I I think um, the more I've delved into this area, the more I find it. Somewhat difficult to define because it's encompassing a lot of aspects now of organizational life. Um, it's grown in its scope and definitions and things. I mean, for the purposes of just trying to keep it simple for for myself and my clients in that regard, it is just around the the way things are done around the organization, and and that's not to downplay the role of leadership and systems and other aspects of organizational life within that, but um, it ends up uh, almost being a silly sort of castle movie thing where it's the vibe, You know, it's just the way things are
1: around here. Like you say, it's a challenging topic to define because it is such a complex, multifacet thing to understand culture and trying to give it a simplistic definition isn't always helpful. But, you know, it's, it's, it's similar to me in regards to just the way we do things around here. So based on your experience... What role do leaders play in starting to shape some of those norms or accepted things that we do around here
2: yeah it's a it's a big topic isn't it i I guess you and I have got uh, that background together where we had the opportunity to get data around this topic, and it was always surprising how clearly some of the data we were collecting as a measure of culture we would put variables in there to cut it and paste it into different um parts of the organization and if you drilled it down too too much you could actually out an individual leader in the data and that happened on a couple of occasions where we had to sort of make sure we weren't doing that and so to me it was quite surprising how an individual leader can have such a strong influence over the perceptions of people on the quality of uh, their, their working life and in that data set we were working with John we were actually measuring mostly relationships. So the quality of relationships that were happening in and around the person responding to the survey. So in that regard, I suppose it's not surprising that we found an individual leader could have such a strong influence because what we were measuring was that influence outpouring onto a group of people that was in the sphere of influence of that leader and and their perceptions of how, how things are around them was incredibly influenced by that individual.
0: Do you think that leaders are always conscious of the impact they have on other people?
2: I think they are. So for a lot of leaders, they take the task very much to heart. I rarely coach or work with leaders that don't care about the impact they're having. What's difficult for them is obviously like all of us is where we're lacking some self-awareness. That's a real, you know, it's just a good old blind spot. And that can be a real, you know, a real area for, for working and uh, opening up the coaching process with them. I guess more importantly, though, for me, probably over the last 10 years, maybe a bit less, I've focused a lot more on helping leaders be conscious of the things they're doing that are helpful. I think a lot of us lack a bit of consciousness around that. And then we end up sort of just resting on those laurels and not really leveraging them and, and using them to really make a difference. And the beauty of working with the strengths of a leader or the things that they're they're doing that have a positive impact is that you get instant results because you're not trying to remedially fix something or be something or do something that you're not naturally adept at. So I think there's unconsciousness on both sides of that coin. You know, there's gaps in their awareness of what they could be doing that's harmful or unhelpful. And then there's those gaps in coasting on the things they do well and not really leveraging them and making the most
1: through that process, you and I have worked through before, looking at the impact of leaders on culture and trying to measure that connection. From your perspective, how do you help leaders understand the difference between what they're doing around their practices versus how they're doing it in regards to their style?
2: Yeah, that's a, you know, I was tempted to bring this up in the definition point because the way we do things around here is kind of a really, you know, flippant answer to the cultural definition. It's the way we're being around here is probably a a more important definition. And so the leaders that are often in our world operational, um, dealing in very high hazard environments, requiring quite appropriately large degrees of control being imposed and inflicted in a lot of ways on the work being done. They can lose sight of how they're bringing themselves to the work and get really transactional and task focused. And so in terms of this consciousness, unconsciousness piece, I think bringing them back into a present moment sort of model where they're noticing how they're being, not just what they're doing, but how they're doing it, becomes the really important part of this conversation and part of the cultural impact they're having.
0: So how does a leader start working on fostering a better culture?
2: Where things have shifted for me over the last few years as well apart from the the concept that they really connect more strongly with what they do well and make sure that they're not coasting on that and leveraging it, there's not a lot of ways to leverage it. You can obviously do more of it. You can uh, do it with more impact and, and consciousness. Um, so raise the quality of what you do well. You can coach others in it. And you know the coaching aspect sometimes is the low-hanging fruit because Coaching sort of got that name of uh, being something that's inflicted on people when they're not performing well. Um, so trying to get a leader to 180 that and realise that coaching is actually a great mode for for taking the culture forward in a positive way, you know, in, a, in an uplifting way. That they're sort of those low-hanging fruit things. I think the other thing that's shifted for me in the last few years is just the role of systems in this conversation. I remember being a, in a leadership position back in the 90s, and I refused to sign some management by objectives, performance objectives I had for the year around safety. I refused to sign them because the system was going to undermine me as a leader. I was going to get a bonus based on a lack of injuries. Now, that undermined me for two, in two ways as the leader of a group of people working in an explosive factory environment you know, where safety was absolutely paramount. It undermined me because now we've actually taken what is a moral objective and made it a financial one. So now the boys are going to be con- confused by, and I say boys because it was a very male-dominated environment back then. You know, They were going to be judging me through the lens of he's only doing that because his bonus is attached to it. And then the other way it undermined me um, was that it was going to force a whole lot of underreporting. Which, you know, which was the antithesis of what I really wanted. The systems are important. So if you want to support a leader, you've got to actually look at how are the systems working for them rather than against them um, and make adjustments in those areas.
1: What have you noticed in your interactions with leaders when you're coaching them that is their blind spot between that connection between the systems they're trying to create or embed and the actual impact that it has on the culture?
2: Well, I guess you get a few different conversations in a coaching environment around this topic. There's the kind of victim conversation where well, the system is the system um, you know, and I'm undermined by it. I get that, and almost trying to you know through sheer willpower rise above that and um and try and get the cultural influence they wanted to have despite the systems then there's the more senior leadership role where they can actually adjust those. I've got a person I'm working with right at the moment and he has seen that some of their KPIs are just driving all the wrong behaviour in a safety space. They're driving a tick and flick style approach to something that's far more important than that. And to his credit, he's a regional director, so he's not totally empowered here. But he's got a you know a decent sized region in a construction firm underneath him. He's gonna change that KPI. He's just gonna do it. Uh, despite, if you like, head office or corporate, so there's those sort of things, and me refusing to sign my objectives was essentially a bit of a career-limiting move in some way. Quite a difficult conversation to have with with my management. So there's that kind of willpower version, but constrained within the systems. There's still a lot of room for leaders to be, again, you know, consciously leveraging their own personal value for safety and their own just caring about people and, and the culture that's being created below them and around them, there is a piece there where they can be quite empowered. I think you need to work both fronts. I think it's important, for, particularly as you get more senior, to start influencing the systems and redirecting them towards something supportive rather than unsupportive and, and also just keep working your own your own personal development.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're spot on, Rob. I think that whole connection between... The ownership of the system and adjusting the system when you notice it's driving some unintended behaviours, and just being really aware of that, is also the role of a leader in how they shape the culture. Because you know the systems do define or create scenarios with what's important around here and what we need to be working to.
2: Yeah, and just being a little bit of an outlier can be quite a strong message to send to the to the crews and the teams that you're working with. You know that that sort of bucking the system um, person ends up with a lot of credibility um, instantly from doing that. And so, you know, the challenge then becomes, how do you do that in a way that's kind of respecting the past and respecting your own leaders? You know, that's, that's tricky. And, and I think sometimes it's out, you know, the natural styles of people and the trigger points they have. But obviously it's a lot of fun working with a leader who's willing to experiment and adjust things that are beyond just their own personal change.
1: To start wrapping up, and I know this is probably going to be a very tough question to answer, but what's one bit of advice you give to leaders out there to get them to really pay closer attention to this?
2: I think sometimes the big blind spot is people that I'm coaching have often just gone into patterns that they're not questioning anymore, and they're underestimating their ability to influence another important leader. So, My one bit of advice is around really targeting your effort, being very, very strategic on your impact that you're having. I mean, I I had a job once with 400 people working for me in 14 offices. You cannot literally have a personal influence across that. But what you can do is select, and I selected probably too many, but I selected about 40 out of the 400 people that I thought I had to have an influence with because they were influencers. For me, I think leaders just getting more focused and targeted and strategic about how they're spending their time and who they're spending it with is often really low-hanging fruit. They're, they're just so driven by being um, too busy. They just don't take the time to and don't have the time to kind of really target their effort, which, which is almost a, a sort of a catch-22 because obviously if they – just paused for a minute and really targeted what, where their influence needs to be. They get so much bang for buck for their short amount of time they've got.
0: Rob, thank you so much for being on the Leadership Journey
2: podcast. Oh, thank you very much. I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed it immensely.
0: I think that conversation with Rob changed or brought to my attention a few different things about leadership and culture. That I hadn't quite thought about or maybe understood and I've got a few things but I just want to see what you've got first John.
1: I really I enjoy talking with Rob. I've known Rob a long time when I first started my journey as a leadership coach and, and understanding culture. Rob was my mentor and I just love listening to his perspective around this. He really does think deeply about culture and just listening to him again talk about things like patterns not being questioned and Leaders not challenging things that they know aren't quite right, but they accept. Them yeah, the systems in in that systems space and just accepting it because it's the way it is, and sort of using that language of being a bit of a victim in there that it, it is what it is. I can't do anything about it, so I'm just going to go with the flow and don't actually understand what that's doing not only to the credibility of their leadership, but how it's actually starting to shape the culture. And I thought that was. Again, just another great realisation that leaders, it's not just what we're saying and doing, it's actually what we're challenging and changing and correcting because it's not actually getting the right outcomes.
0: He was incredibly courageous in that situation where he said that he didn't want to sign on to those particular KPIs because they would drive negative consequences, if anything.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's a very topical conversation in safety that we all, we openly talk about that the KPIs we have around injury rates and not having injuries is really unhelpful that it drives really unhelpful behaviors it undermines the culture but still for some reason leaders hold on to it uh, as as the KPI measure knowing that the unintended consequences are it creates underreporting and it creates skepticism in the process so it is very courageous and I think that's a key learning out of this every time is if a leader wants the right culture you've got to sometimes do some very courageous things and challenge the status quo.
0: Exactly, step up. Another thing that resonated with me was him saying initially that culture is about how things are done around here and then later he said it's actually how th- things are being done around here and there's just a subtle change in that wording. I feel like Done for me is almost people's perceptions of what's happening but being is the reality.
1: Mm. It was interesting listening to Rob transition that conversation and yeah, doing or done, done around here is a very definite action thing. I think being starts to unpack a bit more into the complexity of culture in that, you know, there's beliefs in there, there's values in there, there's there's perceptions in there, there's certain there's certain levels of thinking there. The going
0: unconscious on. elements.
1: Yeah. It's not just the done bit, you know, there's a whole part that starts to unpack on that. And I think Rob has a very good way of getting leaders to see that it's not just about the actions you're seeing, it's actually about a whole bunch of other things going on. As he said, some of those unintended Consequences of those things.
0: And going back to what you said about the patterns, I kind of thought about if you're not recognizing there are patterns and you're underestimating your influence, you actually have the most influence in that moment because people are going to get frustrated that you're not doing anything. You are not responding to what they need and being a leader who's not leading.
1: Yeah, and it is probably one of the hardest jobs in the world being a leader because if you do something and get it wrong, then you're judged on that if you don't do something that's important then you're judged on that and i think it's just having the courage to 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 be and do what's important and that's why for me it is about being very intentional and having a targeted effort around what is important and be able to step into if we're not clear on what's important to us it's easy to miss those opportunities where we needed to stand up Because that's actually what needed to be challenged at the time or that's what needed to be discussed at the time. We don't stand for something, we fall for everything. And I think that's a critical element leaders don't always get right. What do you actually stand for? So when those moments come that need you to have the courage to stand up and say something, you do because you stand for it.
0: Always goes back to the values, doesn't it? And the purpose.
1: Very much so. Yeah. If you're not clear on that, you're going to let things go and... You're going to find it hard to get the courage to do what needs to be done in those difficult situations.
0: And that brings us to the end of this episode of The Leadership Journey. We hope you enjoyed today's discussion. To keep up to date with us, you can find all of our social media links in the description. Barclays, we wish to acknowledge the custodians of this land, the Whadjuk
1: people of the Noongar Nation, and their Elders past, present and future.